Critical Hit is a drunken, foul-mouthed podcast for adults. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Hello world and welcome to Critical Hit, a podcast where we drink beer and talk about everything. I'm your host, Red King, and with me is Crimson and Corona Warden. Tonight, we are trying Harpoon Dunkin' Pumpkin. That Dunkin' Pumpkin beer. <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about uh, Nostalgic gaming stuff. Everything old is taking a walk down memory lane. Um, you guys ready? We're yes. ready. All right. We are critical hit. This is Harpoon Duncan Pumpkin. I, uh, You know what? I appreciate yeah. everything that happened there. So, yeah. <laughs> Bottles this time instead of cans. <laughs> Cheers, bros. Let's go. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Here we go. Duncan Pumpkin. I'm pumpkin chunkin' with my Duncan Pumpkin. <laughs> no. What? Damn it, that's the second fucking time. Why is it decent? Come on, that was No! <laughs> you're, you're failing miserably at finding miserable bears. No, because for himself. So, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, so we're in the we're in the fall, autumn, uh, bullshit, pumpkin, everything season. And this is the second. Uh, what I was trying to do was find horrible... Pumpkin beers, and so far I'm, I've been pleasantly surprised. This is Dunkin' Pumpkin, a special edition brew from Harpoon. What kind of drink is this? Like, what is it? It's uh, I believe it's, it's an ale. It's an ale. That's surprising because it it tastes so much like coffee, but it's not like yeah. So it's this not a actual flavor. It's not. Pumpkin puree. It is a pumpkin spice latte flavor. Okay, okay. Yep. Uh, so five point two ABV. So about regular, uh, about regular strength on that. Um, started in '86 by Don Canary and Rich Doyle in Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> um, Harpoon. They find all of. They found their um, inspiration. Their inspo from. Um, from stuff in the UK. <laughs> Rich homie Doyle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> found his inspo. <laughs> uh, Sir Arthur Conan Robert Doyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 1993, they introduced the Harpoon IPA. Now, this is like fucking extreme for 93 to just bring out an IPA. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it, it caught on. So they're, they're kind of like the new kids on the block. The ballsy. Yeah, in, well, in back then. Yeah, in '93. That's been 29 years. <laughs> so uh, yesterday, I Listen, watched. Thing, <laughs> I watched the thing about fucking Zima. <laughs> oh, it's like so. It around that same time, <laughs> there was shit like Zima coming out, oh. and uh, then you have Harpoon uh, bringing out <laughs> IPAs that are like inspired by. Um, so I will say, I think I like it more than the Country Pumpkin, but what? I gotta say, oh. I put the country pumpkin ahead of this one. I don't know. Uh, I don't particularly like either one of them. Well, that was that was also an IPA. Country pumpkin was an IPA, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So okay, so you yeah, you're you're not very partial to the hoppy one. So I a little bit <laughs> a little bit more about Harpoon as a company. They are kind of they have uh, an annual uh, marathon that they run in Boston mm-hmm. um, to raise money for the Angel Fund. An organization that um, that works to try to uh, 
fund research for ALS, cure for ALS. Oh. Tchaikovsky's disease. So it turns out they're, they're just kind of great. For all you they're a great brewing company. Yeah, they're, they're oh. fucking sick. They're wonderful. <laughs> and apparently with this uh, Dunkin' Donuts ass <laughs> Dunkin' <laughs> Ale, they did a good job. Now, do you think, because that has to be, they officially partnered with Dunkin' Donuts. It, it's, like, it's still a three out of ten for me. It's, so It's <laughs> about the same as Country Pumpkin. So this, um, <laughs> that's, that's one last little thing about this is the, uh, this is the pumpkin spice latte flavor. They have three other Dunkin'-inspired flavors. They sell them in a pack. It is the box of beer instead of box of joe, right? They have that box of joe. Oh, that's clever. But I do, listen, <laughs> that, that's near and dear to my heart for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, but no, that's very clever. I got to give them that. Yeah, it's uh, really good. Um, we're going to talk about nostalgic old video game stuff. We're treading dangerous waters. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people really mad. <laughs> they said some things about my favorite old game. <laughs> well, we're not doing a tier list or anything like that. I'm doing a tier list. Yeah. We're not doing a tier list <laughs> yet. Yeah. Yes. But <laughs> see, here's my thing, right? If we're going to get into that, we should do like console tier list and then games for each of those consoles as a separate thing. So like a PS1 tier list. You're not going to try to tell me that. You're not going to console tier me. No. <laughs> S tier right now. Go. Fucking PlayStation 2. Yes. N64. You're going to put N64 S tier? N64 You're fucking around. Tier. Dreamcast. Battle Tanks. Battle Tanks Global Assault. Battle Tanks is my shit. Ocarina of Time. Come on. Majora's okay. Mask. Okay. Super Mario 64. Dude, Super Mario 64 was groundbreaking for 3D platformers. Banjo-Kazooie. Oh! Okay. Ooh. He ought to Golden Eye. He ought to lie <laughs> <me> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah, okay, what here. about... Uh, okay, yeah. Here's yeah. the thing. Hear me out. My, one of my S here is Xbox 360. I... Xbox 360 Low was... Low S, high A. Somewhere in there. Okay, I, I, I can, pl- I I can play that. that. I can play yeah. that game. Because they, they owned that console generation. You got They admit. did. PlayStation, so the thing about Sony in that generation is, not to get too far off topic, they had a very strong hold on the JRPG, but Xbox 360 kicked their ass around the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This and is true. I mean, it's like so many games. Yeah. I'm, I, would put, I would put 360 at, a, at like probably a, listen, Halo 3 is enough to make. The 360 S tier for me. I played so much. So the thing about Halo 3 is that it was also very ahead of its time because none of the Halo games afterwards have really captured that same magic. Nope. Nope. Reach and ODST have very good parts to them, and their forges are so much fun to fuck around in. Mm. But all those game modes originated with three. Yes. But yes. you have Griff Ball, you have all that shit. <laughs> Griff Ball. <laughs> I love that mode. <laughs> I juggernaut, love Juggernaut. Zombies. Yeah. They, that was fantastic. Holy shit. 2007, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good year. Good year for you. Which if you were born in that year, you should not be listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Ooh. wait a minute. Like, you know how they got in the uh, in the stores? They have, like, if you're born before... 
this date and this year you can't buy cigarettes or alcohol. Yes. I got I to gotta keep a running list of you were born in. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> okay, so I guess right the start, like what what is that gaming that that formative like I started gaming with um in our case, uh mine and Crimson, it is the Sega Genesis. Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Oof. So I think there was like kind of <laughs> right last <laughs> processing. <laughs> it, it feels like it feels like there's kind of like that rich kid, poor kid thing with uh, Sega Genesis because it came out in that it's that 16 bit. Um, so Genesis itself was not that expensive a console. Yep. Saturn was the one that tanked Sega. Yeah, and that was that was right before they. So Saturn came out with with discs. Yes. Before, well, they had they still had cartridges, but there was the Sega Saturn CD. Yeah, it w- it was mm-hmm. like a arms race or a space race rather to, <laughs> to make it to CDs and and um, Nintendo <laughs> held out for a very long time. Yes. As soon as said, space "Holy race, shit!" The Switch has they don't have discs. Yeah. Yeah. But remember how the fuck the GameCube, the Wii, and the Wii U. Had discs. They're like, fine, we'll they play. They actually went to DVD on the Wii, though. Not CD, DVD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they never had CDs. They never had CDs. And then Nintendo figured out how to put 1080p on a cartridge. That's fucking insane. That Which is switch. actually turning out to be the better medium for uh, media anyways. Well, so uh, Red King and I were watching a video the other day about a guy who built, like, a crazy PC out of random parts from, like, a Hot Wheels PC. Just to go <laughs> into history. <laughs> right. But, That's cool. like, evidently CRT tube monitors are really good to play games on. Like, they have an insane refresh rate potential. Like, you turn the graphics down because they can't handle that graphical necessarily. But I feel like they had up to 1080p CRTs. I don't know. I think it... Or did they cap at 720? I don't... You had to have, you must have had to have a pretty boss fucking CRT to have it at 720p. I don't think it was, Ooh. I think it was all 480. But <laughs> the thing about it, right, Classic. is it's all high free, high refresh rates and it's, you don't have to worry about resolution. They were running shit like um, Control. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. At like maximum everything except for resolution. And it was it was cool. It was fucking awesome. <gasps> I, and it was something I was today years old learning. <laughs> um, so, right? Uh, I think la- I think we ended no. up talking about the... Huh? They did get up there. Holy shit, really? Incredible. <laughs> I didn't realize that that was that far along. <laughs> you gotta remember, they were making CRTs well into the early 2000s. Ooh, you're right about LCD that. didn't shit. really take off, and then Plasma came out, and neither one of those was particularly good. LCD <laughs> was better. Plasma was just... So Plasma had the better picture, right? But those TVs broke at the drop of a hat. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And were heavy. Imagine <laughs> a flat screen, but fucking heavy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my TV's like... I think it's... It might be like a... It's like almost... Almost like sixty inches or something like that. 
flat screen, you can lift it just 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 by myself. Right, it's probably ten pounds. No, yeah, and most of that's the glass. Like you had to go get some friends to yes. fucking lift. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, can you help me yeah. lift this? Thing? A, can you help me move my eighteen-inch television? <laughs> so we had team a, lift. Growing up, we had a thirty-two-inch CRT Toshiba. That thing oh. weighed like six hundred pounds. Yeah, dude. And Toshiba. when it was finally time to get rid of it, I was almost an adult at that point. And I was out with my friends or something, and my dad moved it to the van by himself. And, like, when he was putting it down, he busted off his middle uh, fingernail, and he was just screaming and swearing the whole time. <laughs> that motherfucker. Ouch. Yo. Ouch. <laughs> I was like, why didn't you just wait for me to come home? And he was like, I wanted it out of here. <laughs> I wanted it gone. Here's <laughs> my will. Make all the sacrifices needed. Because then we got a... 55-inch plasma, which was way lighter than that CRT TV, but it was still heavy. Yeah. (laughs) In the grand scheme of things, that was still a a thick bitch. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh my gosh, you got me. Um, Oh, my bad. All right. right. So... um, I think we were talking about it earlier. We were comparing, uh, like, the sound difference and the graphical difference between. So, um, a game that we played a lot was uh, Spider-Man and X-Men Arcade Revenge. And the difference between that game uh, for the SNES versus the Genesis. Yeah. The graphics were, like, completely different. The soundtrack... It has the same tracks, obviously, but the, uh, <laughs> the it really was a like rich kid poor kid thing when yeah. it came to uh, the difference between hardware there. <laughs> but um, I mean, we would play as soon as soon as we woke up, we'd start up the Genesis and just um, roll credits on Sonic Two. Yep, over and over and over and over again, and there was no save, mind yep. you. Yeah. So they, they're like, our dad would be like, "Oh, let's go outside and like play some like touch soccer, some fucking grass. grass." Yeah, yeah, punch, punch the grass, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, eat eat some dirt real quick, and then come back in. And we paused that game. That console was hardy. I do want to point that out. <laughs> I, I remember spiking controllers and never breaking. Yep, yeah. spiking controllers, <laughs> pausing it, leaving it on like all day. It didn't matter what we were doing because like we didn't want to lose our spot. Right. No, that could never it. happen. <laughs> so that's the thing, right? On the Nintendo Entertainment System, the only game I can really think of that might have had any saves were like the Zeldas and Final Fantasy, maybe Dragon Quest. Mm. Those are your RPGs. Other games didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I, uh, I remember passwords were a thing. Yes. <laughs> okay, did you ever play Golden Sun? I never did. That's a shame. Yeah, but So if you things. didn't have a link file for the first two games, when you beat the first game, if you wrote down a six-page password, yeah. You could transfer your character's <laughs> progress and all your summons and stuff to the Lost Age. I had to do that. A six-page? Yes. Page? Yes. <laughs> six-page password. 
That's incredible. <laughs> That's crazy. That was the gold transfer. That's if you wanted everything. If you just wanted like character levels and stuff, there was a bronze, a silver, and a gold. But oh, why oh. wouldn't you want everything? I hundred percented that first game. Yeah. I busted my ass for that. <laughs> and you go bust your ass fucking right down this. <laughs> yep. That's what's mad. <laughs> mad as fuck. Oh my gosh. What if you get a letter wrong? Oh man, dude, I couldn't. No, you just break the fucking game board. <laughs> dude, I entered my my password to my Google account wrong twice. And I get angry. It like, looks like I'm just gonna. <laughs> Forgot <laughs> password. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to change so much <laughs> new kit. <laughs> and then you change it. You cannot use the same password. <laughs> oh, you're fucking with me now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, let me try to think. <laughs> I don't know. See, that's the thing. I had, technically growing up, my dad had an Atari. Yep. Which I played. <laughs> it was the 2600 with a wood finish. I had uh, the Air, Sea, and Land game. Where you buy out all the ships, planes, or tanks. Yeah, that's we had Joust. I got really good at Joust. <laughs> we had Pac-Man, which... Oh, my gosh. So my ma told me about uh, Pac-Man on the Atari 2600. Of course. <laughs> Garbage fucking game. <laughs> so the thing is, is that my grandpa could get all the way to the glitch level. Yeah. Consistently. It was the only game he played. Listen, <laughs> that is hardcore. That, that's the only game so you played. I remember um, just like in my early teens, uh, I got into like emulation. Just like, oh, I remember that. <laughs> I got a 2600 emulator and I played Pac-Man mm-hmm. one fucking time. And you want to know what? It doesn't move. Like right? it, 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 it doesn't move the way it should. No. Like you play Pac-Man and you're used to a certain amount of like. Right, but we're all used to Pac-Man in the arcade. Yes, not a little bit. Straight up, just like we had, we had Frogger, like original Frogger on that thing. I love Frogger, but that wasn't really like my formative console. The SNES was because that's the big one I remember. We also had the Genesis though, because I had the X-Men game. Yes, yes. See, that's the one thing I will say is that as far as a formative console goes, there's two that really stick into my mind like crazy. Don't get me wrong. I love the PlayStation 2. It was the best console I've played pretty much bar none as far as just straight pound-for-pound games. However, there's two mainly formative consoles in my gaming lifespan, and that is PlayStation 1 because... Things just made sense with PlayStation 1. Because you gave me Street Fighter Alpha 3 on PlayStation 1. When I first got the PlayStation 1, your dad got it for us. And just a slew of random games. Mm-hmm. There was an NASCAR game in there. There was Legend of the Guy in there. There was Crash Bandicoot in there. And then there was Street Fighter Alpha 3. Now, I'm not going to get too far into it. But, man, <laughs> my love for video games and my love for fighting games was born the minute I got on that PlayStation 1. It was just, oh, something just changed. And I couldn't beat M. Bison for shit because I sucked at those games when I was little. That's the funny part, though, right? Because it's like RPGs are my favorite genre of game, and they have been since the SNES. Super Mario RPG. Ooh. Ooh, that's a deep cut. Yep. That's a deep cut. 
Well, so my two older brothers, my immediate older brother learned to read on Final Fantasy 3, which is actually 6, mm. on the SNES, because my oldest brother could read. So they played that game together with my oldest brother doing the reading and teaching my immediate elder brother how to read somewhat on that game. That's actually really, that's crazy. Like, I was too young for that, but Super Mario RPG was the one where I really started getting my teeth into it because I was learning to read, and that was the first game I was really playing. Yes, yes. Like, so for for RPGs, um, the first one I remember ever playing is um, Beyond the Beyond, oh. which was, it was like a... It's really, yeah. honestly, it was like just really a generic medieval themed RPG. Um, I couldn't tell you who developed it right off the bat. Um, okay, did you guys ever play The Illusion of Gaia? That, no. Okay, so that's the second. That's the second stumped, <laughs> stumped <laughs> face I've seen at this table. <laughs> me. <laughs> Never played it. So. It's a very weird game, right? Because, like, you're playing as this dude named Will. Your parents, I can't remember the exact thing that happened to them. Your dad was, like, an explorer, an archaeologist or something. But you go to, like, all these, like, biblical locations. Like, the Tower of Babel is the final dungeon in the game. Whoa. But you end up, there's different environments and stuff. You play as, the kid's name is Will. His weapon is a flute. But you end up going into, like, different worlds because you're helping you're trying to save the spirit of Gaia you're trying to save the planet right dark Gaia is trying to take over but you end up like taking different forms throughout the game like you get there's a knight that you can take the form of who does a hell of a lot more damage and has a hell of a lot more health and he has a giant sword there's a shadow dude that like throws fire at people there was a lot to that game that's crazy but it was a very like Zelda-esque style game that Sounds super familiar to me. Weirdly enough, it does. But yeah, I, I feel like maybe I've at least seen it. Because, I mean, there, I've experienced a great deal of video games through demo discs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, this was cartridge. This was also on the Super Nintendo. Oh. That was my, probably one of the bigger games my immediate older brother played a lot of. Gotcha. Was okay. The Illusion of Gaia. I Even though our oldest brother is the one who got the farthest. Until I got it on an emulator, <laughs> beat it. It's like that I took that down. <laughs> no, I I know the GameCube is is my second most formative console because really? yeah, the Nintendo GameCube. Hi. So there's a couple of reasons because what gets me when it comes to video games is like the memories that you can attach to them. And I know I have attached a lot of things to the GameCube in general. One is my love for Smash Bros. Now, I, yeah, did, yeah, yeah. I did play the original Super Smash Bros. And it did obviously stick in my head, right? Another reason why uh, N64 is S-tier, original Smash Brothers. Yes. You're right. But I'm dropping these. But um, it's Super Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. There is nothing about that game that I dislike. Everything was just... It just... It made sense, right? This game, at, at the time, it looked beautiful. I got to see all these characters, right? Because by that point, you didn't really have, like, 
the picture perfect reimagined HD at the time version of right. all of these characters. But you see all them translate into this crazy, amazing graphics at the time. The gameplay loop was perfect. I remember, like, yeah, they, they, um, I remember in the yeah, promotional maps could change how you play. Yeah, yeah. I remember in the promotional art, they would, they were showing off the denim texture. Yeah. And <laughs> there was like, oh, look at the denim on, on, on Mario's overalls. And I was like, okay, so this is, yeah, this is what gaming is. This is what that next generation feel was. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I totally dig. <laughs> That's the funny part, though. I never actually owned a GameCube. My buddy, though, like my best friend in fourth grade, he did. We put a lot of time into two particular games. Soul Calibur 2. Yep. <laughs> yes, sir. And Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Yes, yes sir. Cool. Yes, sir. I actually have that game on my Xbox. Oh, I love Sonic Adventure So Bad. I have, um, not on the GameCube, mm-hmm. but I have it on Dreamcast. The, yeah, on the Dreamcast. I have original, that game. Original. Yeah. Oh, geez. <laughs> and uh, you want to know what? Well, one of it's just Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah. Yeah. That shit still holds up. Yeah, it does. I think I think it holds up better than some of the newer Sonic games. It really does. Because they, they were on to something. Like, can I just say that there's something about how they built that game. Yes, there was glitches. Yes, there was like, there was so much wrong with it. But like, the things that it was right was just really, really right. right the music was, slapped, yes. bro. Knuckles stages had some of my favorite tracks. Yeah. 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 But and it, that was the cool part, though, right? You got to play both sides. Yeah. And that was the thing, man. If you wanted to be edgy, that was the first time, really, you could play as, like, villains, villains, yeah. bro. It was crazy. <laughs> Well, I mean, there was... There was there in was, Sonic games, yes. Yes, yes. And it's, they invented Shadow. I think that's his first game. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that is Shadow's first game. He was hinted at in the original Sonic Adventure. At the end... Well, near the end of it, in the final stage. He was, like, in a capsule somewhere. Wow, I didn't... I didn't yeah. realize that. And his original design was weird. <laughs> it was really weird. When you play his... Uh, Big the cat. Yeah. Oh, oh. That just ground it to an absolute halt. <laughs> Why? Froggy. Where are you? Where are you, Froggy? And then play. Oh, actually, shit. Now I got to fucking eat my own words. Because you want to know what? It was just a truncated version of Sega Bass Fishing, which is my <laughs> shit. <laughs> ah, it fucking sucks. What? Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. <laughs> It's really messed up because, true. because, like, right? The only way they could have made it better is if they put a car game in it that was Crazy Taxi. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they own those IPs. And you know the funny part, though, is, is if you think about it, Shadow's kind of Jet Set Radio, right? Oh, oh. Rail grind. Whoa! Skates. Yeah. His and Sonic's levels are like that. Eggman and Tails are the max, and then Treasure Hunting is Knuckles and Rouge. Right. That's actually yeah. So incredible. yeah, they Dude, go hard. What the fuck happened to games when you think about it? Not to sound too old, but like we're talking about a GameCube game that had a battle mode. Well, so they added the battle mode to the GameCube version. Yeah, hence battle. But it had a battle mode. It had mech levels, racing levels, treasure hunting levels, boss fights. Yeah. Every character got boss fights. They had um the 
the Tamagotchi style fucking Chow Garden. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. That was so funny. Dude, yeah. One of my Chows, we focus so hard on. <laughs> like on just getting S rank and everything, and you're like you're fighting these shiny chows and shit. And here's my dude with dragon hands, a tail, phoenix wings, and feet, and an apple on his fucking. <laughs> dude, that game got deep just in that. Right. And now here's the thing, though. I I will say that another fond nostalgic memory that is tied to Sonic Adventure Two Battle is this was back in the day. Where you didn't have YouTube to find out every secret of the game. Game facts. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah so you go on Game Facts, you had right? To read that shit. And they were the ancient texts. But here's the thing: you tend to forget sometimes, right? It's kind of like Wikipedia with way less moderation because anybody could really post what they wanted. Oh my! So people will be posting, right? This is what got me. If you get S rank on everything, and you just you ace the entire board in, in the level select, you got to play a Super Sonic. And Hyper Shadow outside of the final boss. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, I'm going to try this. And I remember hours and yeah. hours because, I, as I stated earlier, there was a lot wrong with that game. So even if you were really good with the, at the game, some weird glitch would screw up okay, your whole So speaking on that, though, I think on Pumpkin Hill, I got a glitch with Knuckles where I fell outside of the map and all the Chaos Emeralds just came to me. And I S-ranked the mission in like 30 seconds. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's they just funny. fell out of the map and they were all there. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey. So I think um, that's I think how they used to build games. They were just like, he's going to dig and then just we just put the Chaos Emerald or the, the Emerald Shard, the Master Emerald Shard. Yeah, it was just, you know, unless you had gotten to the point of the game that would put it in there. It just they just put it down there. <laughs> yeah, no one's gonna be there. Right. Whoops, right. he fell through the floor. <laughs> so I think that was probably the only game that we played it when it came out. Like the so there's like that required reading type of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That we never uh me and Crimson never experienced until like we kind of got out of that generation and was able to like Running on an emulator, you know, where they, uh, we totally had the um, original copy because that's the rules for emulation. Yes, yes. You can't <laughs> see me winking. I'm winking. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of the re-releases that were coming out was like the, uh, the opportunity to get into it. But, yeah, never played the required reading stuff. Yeah. Right? Like That's funny because that's most of what I played. <laughs> we we had an N sixty four. We never played Super Mario sixty four on the N sixty four. It's crazy. Yeah, Mario Party, Party played that game <laughs> to completion on an emulator as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, played. Matter of fact, my first one hundred. Um, my first uh, first time I rolled the credits on that game. Uh, it was on. The Nintendo DS. Oh, the remake. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, the remake. Of the that. DS yeah. version, yeah, you're right. Uh, so, like, I remember playing, uh, we were talking about it a little a little earlier, like, obscure, really weird games, and that's, uh, for the PlayStation, that was basically all that we played, like, weird mm-hmm. shit, like, Tobal Number 1, and, Ooh. and, um, uh, I, I know 
Why? Well, fighting games. <laughs> like Tombi or the Shido Blade or Tomba. 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 It was Tombi in in the uh, UK for some reason. Okay, yeah. Did you guys w- ever play Bushido Blade though? Uh, never. Never played the original Bushido Blade. That's a shame. That was a great fighting game because you could troll the shit out of each other because the maps were infinite, right? So the characters all moved the exact same speed. <laughs> so it was generally a one one hit, one kill. Like it was an actual sword fight, right? You get the first hit, you generally win unless you hit like their arm or their leg. But any like vital area you struck, that was it. So what you could do though is because the characters moved at the exact same speed, you could just start running the opposite direction and they can never catch you. Because <laughs> the map will just keep spreading out as you get farther apart until it locks the person running. But then once they start chasing you, you just continue advancing. Oh, that is just <laughs> grimy. <laughs> so that was, that's an amazing thing about old games is that nobody ever fucking... No one thought of that. No one thought of the meta of just... Fucking everybody moving at the same time. Right. <laughs> like, someone's got to be faster than somebody else. <laughs> no one ever thought of like, it. Like, it was like the ninja girl was as fast as the dude in giant armor. They had the same speed. It's amazing. Yo, that's funny. <laughs> uh, what was the uh, what was the other one that we were talking about with Blast Chambers? Yeah. Yeah, Blast Chambers, which was like... It it was like a weird spin on Bomberman, if you can imagine. <laughs> I but, love Bomberman, but I've never played that game. No, because it was different, right? With uh, Bomberman, you have the it's like a maze. Yeah. With Blast Chambers, it's set not from the top down, but it's set almost like a side, side. scroller. Mm-hmm. And like it was like Bomberman mixed with hot potato. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because the, the bomb, essentially, it's like, right? There's this, It looks like a little sparkly like star thing. It wasn't like an actual bomb. And I'm fairly certain there was probably somebody in the back that couldn't put a bomb in there. Right, but to be fair, straight up Bomberman was just bombs. Yeah, it had a It's wick. in the name. It had a wick. Yeah, true. Not, not in the original ones, not the SNES ones. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing, right? I mean, they've added faces and stuff since, because you know, bullshit in the world. But so there, there was the aspect of you could run up, right, and you could, if you had the bomb, you could hit another player and give them the bomb. Right. It is then your job to run away from them. Mm-hmm. No, it's also keep away. Is it? Wow. <laughs> Anyways, um, so that sounds like one of the modes in Power Stone. It's it is. Ooh. That's actually a good one. Now, it is actually kind of like that, right? Okay. So the thing is, though, there was a number of different ways you could then mess with your opponents because mm-hmm. there's just straight up running at them and hitting them, or you could flip the map around because there was like little rotation points, right, where you'd hit this square and then rotate the map. Right. And you could drop people. Mm-hmm. So if they think they're running over Did here, they have wall, wall running or anything, or was it nope. once no, they hit the switch, no. everybody? Yeah, fell. yeah, that's it. And it's like the, oh, only, the, no. the only person who was unfazed by this is the person who hit the switch. Everybody else did. Boo. That shit was crazy. Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. And it's like it, it, it's kind of funny because like if you think about it, like oh no, I'm actually explaining this wrong. The star was invincibility. That's what the star was. 
That's your, right. Your clock you were, was ticking Yeah, down. you were on timers. That's mm-hmm. what it was, right? So now the whole point is the guy with the star, you don't want him to have a star because you want to be the last man standing. So the flipping came in when you wanted to drop the guy with the star. Because right. when you dropped him and he hit the ground, the star popped out. Yep. And you could grab the star, stop your timer, and you would be safe. Now there was there was traps about and all that kind of good stuff. Like you you could die other ways besides the bomb, but it was an elimination game and it was fantastic. And I remember my first experience was that with that was on a PlayStation One demo disc. <laughs> right. So here's the thing: there was two players max on the original PlayStation One. I don't know if you remember that. You needed a multi-tap to get yep. more than that. So that dumb boomerang. Yeah, yeah. So you had to essentially always play as the green guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I wanted so badly because it's like on the demo version at least, because you could select your color in in the full game. But like I wanted so badly, and I remember the whole reason. Why I ever ended up actually renting that game, which, yeah, if you remember our Hollywood video, yes. Video King in our local area, like, woo! Um, you know, I I wanted so badly to rent that game just because... You wanted to pick red. I wanted to pick red. <laughs> it was like... But I love that game, man. If they redid that game right now, you wouldn't see me. They would have to come over and play it with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, probably do online only. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys would probably see me, right? You'd be the only ones that would see me. Yeah. Like, what is what is he doing? Not showered. He played last chambers. Okay. 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 (laughs) So just other like PS One games. Did you guys ever play Jedi Power Battles? No. I played. They had the Episode One game. Which had terrible combat. Yeah, I think that's what I like. <laughs> so Jedi Power Battles had five base characters, and you could get up to because you could unlock Darth Maul as right. one of your ch- character choices. But you could play as Qui Gon, Obi Wan, Mace Windu, Adi Gallia, or Plo Koon. Wow, they actually got some fucking obscure Jedi masters in there, right? <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. And then you could unlock... Jedi deep cuts, damn. <laughs> right. You could unlock Darth Maul. I forget how you did it. But, like, that game was so good and so weird. My oldest brother and I put so many hours in that on our PS1. <laughs> <coughs> so sad. So sad. I just need more hours. Yeah. <laughs> Give me more hours of the day so I can play a more nostalgic game. <laughs> So the next thing I want to talk about, right, is um, we each have that game, that one, that one piece, that uh, <laughs> one piece. <laughs> we all have that one thing that just kind of got you, and and when you when you kind of say, oh, what is gaming to me? And that's one game. What is that? So, with that, I wouldn't say there's necessarily one game. It'd be a handful. Right. But I did pick one for this discussion. And that is Chrono Cross. Sequel to Beloved Chrono Trigger. 
hated by most Chrono Trigger fans. <laughs> but I will die on the hill that Chrono Cross is better than Chrono Trigger. Woo! That's a hot take. That's like a spicy take. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't have Akira Toriyama on the art or hands. He doesn't have that guy who can only draw Dragon Ball. <laughs> Dragon Quest absorbed him. Yeah, true. Very I true. Mean, he's been the artist for Dragon Quest since its inception. So, you know. Word, yeah, word. yeah. But. I don't know. Just Chrono Cross's story is very interesting. It starts out and you're just a kid in a fishing village, right? You live in a tropical island. It's like you're a fucking dude in Hawaii. <laughs> Not bad. And you're going to collect some pretty shells for your girlfriend. That's how the game starts. You end up getting transported to another world where you are dead. <laughs> and this is the first half hour of the game. <laughs> and it only gets weirder and more wonderful and wild from there. <laughs> the game has 45 characters in its roster. What? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Trigger had seven, I think. Yeah, seven. If you recruited the secret character. But that, the cool thing that is... Was the scythe dude. That was the scythe dude. Magus, yes. yes. But that's the cool thing about Chrono Cross, right? Is that... Its combat system was kind of pseudo-turn-based. You had the active time battle of Final Fantasy, and then you had the addition system of Legend of Dragoon, because those are probably the big RPGs I played on the PS1, besides, like, the Wild Arms series. Right. Which, fantastic series. If you have not played them, get them. I've played all of them and beaten all of them except five. Wild Arms? Yep. Oh, huh. I've, yeah, I actually have to jump into that because I've never played a Wild Arms game. I can say I've always been interested in them. I've always seen them. That's why I used to watch X play. Right. Okay. <laughs> so a quick uh, summary of Wild Arms. You're on a dying planet where it was a war between demons who are aliens, humans, and elves, basically. The elves in the first game seal themselves off in a separate world, and the demons are coming back. Mm-mm. So it's this weird fantasy, sci-fi, western feel. Like the opening theme of the first game is one of my favorite music themes ever. To the end of the wilderness. Because hmm. it has that very like the good, the bad, and the ugly musical style to oh, it. Nice, oh. nice. It's got the whistling. It's got everything. It's a great game. <laughs> anyway, to get back to Chrono Cross itself. The reason I enjoy Chrono Cross so much is because it's very much an exploration of the question of what if, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're playing in two separate worlds, and different things change in each world, depending on what happens. And you're literally seeing the pathways with all, even NPCs, minor NPCs. So in the version where the main character is living, they're a thriving fishing village. It's been fairly rainy, uh, you know. They're not experiencing a drought. The other one, they're having a drought. So there's one guy who is a very successful fisherman. He's got like a lion shark hanging up in his basement, and he gives you a shark tooth necklace. Right. Because he's like, this gave me luck, but now I have my kids and my wife, so I'm really in a good spot. You go to his version in the other world. The dude's worshiping a voodoo doll. Holy. All right. right. So it's a very... So when I first got Chrono Cross, I found it in the clearance dump bin at GameStop 
which at the mall I went to, it was called Software Etc. <laughs> it was owned by GameStop, but that was the local version. Huh. That's weird, though. Yeah. But I, behind it. I saw the cover. It looked cool. It had the three main characters, basically. The villain and then your two main heroes. Right. And I was like, oh, that dude's using a double-bladed sword. Now, this was coming hot off Final Fantasy IX, where Zidane uses a dual-bladed sword. So mm. that weapon type was really resonating with me at the time. Because <laughs> it was so unique to anything I had seen. But got it for like five bucks. But yes, Chrono Cross is the game where I felt like it really asked the question of what if. And as someone who's big into studying like time science and stuff like that, I can enjoy those plot lines. The idea of alternate dimensions is kind of interesting. Right. Because what if is generally a question that can terrify you into paralysis. And that happened with me a few times. Right. But Chrono Cross kind of, some people are paralyzed in the one world because they're like, oh, what if? Like, there's another minor NPC from the same village. In one of them, the one where the main character lives, she's writing a book of poems because she wants to become a famous poet. The other one, she gave up on her dream. Huh. And there's actually a side quest where you can take a book of poems written by the one version and take it to the other. And she doesn't believe you that it's written by her, but she opens it and it's her handwriting. And she's like, all right, all right, I'll pick it back up. And when my first book is done, I will give it to you. So you can kind of even like repair things between the worlds. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, that's fucking amazing. Because I feel like... It's like taking the concept of like, what was that? A link to the past, did like the world flip thing. So where they had like a dark world and then like yes. a regular world, but it's kind of like taking that to like a whole other level. Cause yes, it, Chrono Cross's story. I generally hate when games do a massive lore dump towards the end, and Chrono Cross is guilty of that a little bit. <laughs> it's. If you really break the game down, there's three major acts. There's where you're playing as the main character, then you end up playing as the villain for a little bit, and then you're back as the main character. I'm not going to spoil the in-between, because I kind of want you two to go play this game. Right? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a remaster. There is. There's a remaster. Uh, bucks. Yep. Yeah, all right. <laughs> On the Switch would be the version I recommend, because it can be a little janky, and the Switch doesn't care if it's using less processing power. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> but, yeah, 20 bucks. Very much worth it. Okay. I have been playing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to look into it because I've always been kind of fascinated in it because I remember um, Red King actually went through a Chrono Trigger phase. Yep. So when it came to like, because I, I guess at the time I didn't fully understand that they were connected. <laughs> like they're actually like, you know, it's it's a sequel as it were, you know. Yes, so to a degree. Y- you know, it kind of like, because I've seen it, and I'm like, oh, man, this looks cool, you know? And it did remind me a lot of, like, like I guess stylistically, it reminded me a lot of, like, Legend of Legaia, which was a big one of those games that I mentioned that we got. But, um, yeah, I've always wanted to try it, so it might, it might be time for me to get a remaster. <laughs> like I said, I will die on the hill that Chrono Cross is better than Trigger. Uh, fun fact about um, games and media named Chrono I got into the anime Chrono Crusade. I have actually watched that um, one. Off of thinking that it would be in some way similar <laughs> to Chrono Cross or Trigger, 
And it's it is not. not. No, it's, it's not. It's like, not even. So, <laughs> ironically enough, the chrono part of my handle is from this game. Nice. Oh, nice. okay. I like that. chrono is the prefix for time. Oh, So, yeah. literally, time warden, time guardian, time shield. Oh. Nice. Is effectively what my screen name nice. is. Nice. I'm like a shade of red. Was my it was always my favorite uh, team to play in competitive gaming. Um, speaking funny, of which, because I usually went blue and green. Ooh, I, I I love red. Here, now here's the thing. Speaking of that, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into my um, defining game. So here's the thing. What got me hooked hooked on gaming? I realized was a more competitive aspect of things. Now I do indeed love me a fighting game because that's like the that's like the downright one versus one competitive. Ah. <laughs> but here's the thing. What got me into the, the competitive gaming scene was undoubtedly Unreal Tournament 2004. <laughs> oh, okay, that's, that's okay. a good one. So our dad went through this phase of like, it, oh, it's, it's PC, it's PC gaming, PC gaming, right? And... He went and when he upgraded our PC to a more uh, gaming standard PC, as it were, one of the games that we got with it was Unreal Tournament 2004. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't fully understand what it was about. Matter of fact, before, I think I might have played Unreal Tournament 2004 online before I played Combat Evolved, Halo Combat Evolved online. I believe my first online experience shit, yeah. was Unreal Tournament 2004. Wow, okay. See, that's yeah. funny because it's like, so there's always an inherent competitiveness between siblings, right? Mm. And it takes a while when you're the younger sibling to actually be able to best the older one. Mm-hmm. So I actually... And he bested me. I've never fucking played that shit online. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. So what I was going to say, though, is, is that... I kind of hate that side of myself. Mm. Like, it brings out some deep shit. <laughs> like, <clears throat> I start swearing in ways where I'm like, hold up, hold on, <laughs> hold on, calm down. You're like, why am I mad at you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but it was, because when you think about the current scene of competitive shooters, it is all very, like, they boiled this down a hundred times to make it the most balanced, this, that, and the other thing possible. Did they have the Redeemer in that game? They did, they did have the Redeemer oh, in yes. that game. They did have the Redeemer in that game, and I love that weapon. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Well, no, I'm just remembering it from Quake. Unreal Tournament did not care. Oh, Quake. What? <laughs> awesome. Oh, my God. Same, I yeah, about yeah. Same universe. Yep, same universe, yep. same developers. Um. Now Unreal Tournament Microsoft on Xbox Game Pass. Fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal Tournament 2004 did not care about balance. No, most games didn't give back a in shit about didn't. it. Like, and that's the thing. That's what I kind of loved about it because, like, I feel like true competitive gamers were born in a space where not everything was made to be fair. It was just made, and it was like fucking deal with it. And that was Unreal Tournament 2004. See. So there's credits to both, right? Like, the idea is is that you want... So, something like League of Legends, right? I actually did play League for a while. Mm. I only did a couple of, like, non-versus-bot matches. 
And I left that community because it is so fucking toxic. Yeah, like yeah. You have everyone just swearing up and down, calling everyone everything. And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't need that in my life. I don't need to be DDoSing people or getting DDoSed or any of that shit. Yeah. Now, and, I will say that communities can ruin a game. Yeah. But I do just like the aspect of, like, this isn't made to be this weird, perfect, you know, gameplay loop where it's like, oh, man, you know, make sure your tactics are this and that. You were jumping through the air significantly higher than you ever should. Running fast, there was power-ups you could yeah, pick I up know. to make you book it super fast. You picked up weapons. Like, you didn't start with a loadout. Yeah, you found I played the as the war cow. Yeah, yeah, it was. Which had a completely different body shape. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And that's the other thing that people didn't account for in old games is that. Fucking odd job. Yeah. <laughs> or the, scientist number two. The, char- the build of the character, right? It's like that affected how how well you did you could have a really odd shaped short skinny like that was the thing you played as any of the females because this is what they didn't do in older games they made females tiny they were all fucking tiny okay were... okay okay you played apex though right yes wraith has the most bullshit hitbox in any modern game that was every female yes. in unreal tournament 2004 yep. was wraith in apex legends and it was a pain in the ass and when you played against them Oh, man, I hated it. That's why the Redeemer was fun, because it did not give a shit about <laughs> no, your hitbox. I can't and believe. Oh, yeah. We're talking about rotating revolver-style rocket launcher. Oh, that could and kill you, could, you too. That could kill you, too. You <laughs> could stack all the rockets yeah, and launch them all at once. Yeah, I'm like, ridiculous weapon design, like... The maps were crazy, yeah. and the modding community. Oh, my God. Because you could use the mods online, and they didn't care. Because nobody cared. <laughs> <laughs> Moderation was not a thing. Yeah. It was Okay, yeah, dude. Games. Yeah. I mean, you did also end up in a lot of very strange servers that had, like, you know, kind of tiled pictures of boobs and things. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it was like aside, psychotic titty hell. Yeah, yeah, and it was like, and they did. There was no, there was no skill <gasps> behind it. There was no formatting anything. It, it was like in those old websites where somebody really didn't know anything oh, about web cities. Yeah, <laughs> just tiled boobies, boobies, boobies. No, so there was a cracked version of Warcraft Three on my high school. Like the computer lab had computers that weren't attached to the main network. And we would play games on those sometimes, like uh, if we skipped class or something or, you know, left early because we didn't have a seventh period or something. We'd go up there because there was no seventh period for that teacher and we'd play like Age of Empires 3 and shit. Right. Yeah. But they had a cracked version of Warcraft 3 that they had downloaded onto those computers and straight up one of the map icons was just boobs. (laughs) That's hilarious. It was so stupid. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like that changed that changed my whole landscape as far as gaming goes. And ever since then, anything competitive, even if I'm not great at it, I will still try to do it. And I think that's kind of like weirdly enough inspired my love for things like fighting games and things like that. You know, and I mean, yeah, because it, it's less about you know that game really didn't have a meta. Yeah, no, it it didn't. <laughs> you it know, was to play a girl or a cow. Yeah, because yeah. the thing about <laughs> the war cow is is that. You were short. Mm. You were shorter than most of the females, but you were wide. 
but headshots were weird unless they were using a shotgun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Same thing like with um, Halo 3 when it came out and you had um, the Spartans elites. versus Elites. Yeah. yeah. The Elites, their heads were lower. And if you were looking at them straight on, it was hard to get that headshot because the Spartans, their heads sat on top of their shoulders. Right, they're humans. Yep, the competitive meta of Halo 3 was play as an elite. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's when the meta started to kind of like cook the – well, I mean, every every game started to develop a meta, and then when developers started to get – into the meta, and they started to develop with the meta in mind. Yeah. Okay, here's a pair for you. The original Star Wars Battlefronts. Did you guys ever play them? PlayStation 2. I played Battlefront 2 for like a little bit. It wasn't for me. Okay, that's a shame, because one, it's still a fantastic game. I have it on Steam and Xbox, and I still play it to this day. Steam, the Steam version actually has online play. Whoa. Granted, it's through like Steam Link and shit, but still. I mean, still cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so the thing is, is that in the first game, there was no fucking balance. The Empire and the Rebels, if you played the Galactic Civil War era, was a lot more balanced because everybody was human, and the special troops weren't so unweighty. If you went to the Republic era, where it's CIS versus the Republic. The droidicas were so fucking broken in that game, their <laughs> shields were complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> so you could play as the CIS and you would just fucking roll, literally, because you can turn into a ball as a droidica. Cool. But you could play yourself in a door with the shield that didn't have a cooldown timer. It could just stay up. <laughs> the only unit that could do anything to you was the Republic Jet Trooper because they had an EMP grenade and an EMP cannon. Yep. Both those weapons sucked. That's crazy. So you couldn't play as the Republic, at least not well. I'm sure there are people that did, but hats off to you because I fucking found that shit frustrating. <laughs> as soon as you come across a fucking Droidico with your gun and shit, it's like, well, I'm dead. <laughs> like and then the they enemy. could just sit on the command point and just hold it. Yeah. So you could never take it. Or if you got in there, you were taking it. <laughs> that, that sounds, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it was. It was ridiculous. So in Battlefront 2, the Droidicas are still like a good unit, but they're not invincible anymore. Mm-hmm. Like they, the Republic Jet Trooper is a lot better in the second game. Right. Their EMP cannon is a lot more like stronger. It's a lot more accurate. You can take out their shield. Their shield has a timer right. on how long they can use it. Or you can play as the clone commander and just Gatling gun it to hell. <laughs> that's all, that, listen, that sounds like my style of game. Listen, if I bring my 360 over, or I suppose I could sign you into the Xbox and just download the games, we could do up to four-person competitively. That sounds like a plan. We'd uh, need a fourth person, but we could do 2v2, or it could just be all four of us on one team. Hell yeah. Because... The newer Battlegrounds don't have Galactic Conquest, which was the fucking greatest mode in that game. (laughs) Like, what is the point of doing Star Wars without Galactic Conquest if you're going to have a big-ass game like that? Very true. Very true. (laughs) So, let's see. So, I've I've got the game. I've got my... 
my one piece that has gotten me not just into not just into gaming but into that that genre and um kind of into the into the greater art of it cuz like i think it, it's the one thing that's made me kind of like get into like drawing and shit like that mm-hmm. and that is legend of lagaya you said it like seven times in this episode. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope that's not the one that he's got. <laughs> um, but scary. <laughs> like, nope, fucking lying. A bug's life. <laughs> that game that on the PS1 was good. Though. It was kind of fire. I'm yeah, uh, weird. <laughs> so, yeah, but I always liked ants more than bug's life. In terms she's of such movies. a fucking dark asshole. That's such a problem. <laughs> How am I a dark asshole? Because ants was fucking. It was scary. I love that movie. Yeah, they were t- a Bug's dude, Life is good. When but dude picked up guy's dismembered head and dude didn't know he was a dismembered head. <laughs> that was start. I was like, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Anywho, um, Legend of Lagaya, right? So I have got a couple of different, um, a couple of different factoids, if you will, um, for Legend of Lagaya. Um, right? It was developed by Procyon in, uh, so this game, the game was released in, in the U.S. March 16th of 1999. Um, besides Lagaya and its sequel, Dual Saga, which arguably not very good, um, <laughs> and arguably not very good. It was trash. They only made one other game. I never actually played either of The Legend of Lagaya or Dual Saga. Um, You don't need Dual Saga. (laughs) In in no way, shape, or form is its sequel connected at all to the previous (laughs) game. It's fucking crazy. And in no way, shape, or form is it good. (laughs) So, um, sorry for the two two fans out there. (laughs) Cocksucker! That's my favorite game! Sounding like Pinocchio from fucking Shrek. <laughs> it's a phone! <laughs> or the gingerbread man, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, drop what? <laughs> uh, I wear ladies' underwear. Why isn't your nose growing? He's wearing ladies' underwear. <laughs> it's a phone! <laughs> um, so I only made one game, one other game. And I'm about to um, butcher the name. Because it's a Japanese name. Kenron Bato. Uh, let's try it again. Kenron <laughs> Bato Sai, The Mars Daybreak. Um, <laughs> the Mars Daybreak. Okay, remember, they have said Bato Sai in Roroni Kenshin. Because he was Bato Sai, the manslayer. Oh, B A T O U. S A I Batosai. Yes. Oh my Batosai the man slayer, you dick. No. We washed it. I I just fuck yo, I turfed it so hard. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So um because you gotta remember, usually use in the middle of Japanese. Shut up. Shut up. Just shut the fuck up. (laughs) Uh (laughs) <laughs> so, 
along with my pride, <laughs> which I cannot find anymore. I cannot also find any screenshots or videos of Kenron Batosai. <laughs> Mars Daybreak. <laughs> it was lost in the 1898 earthquake in Tokyo. So which killed much of the same horror footage. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> so, um, there's, a, there's an anime called Mars Daybreak. Yeah. And it is somehow connected to this game. Interesting. Um, where have I heard about Mars Daybreak? I think you've watched it before. I is it an older one or a more recent one? It's, it's like a early 2000s. Okay. I definitely watched it. I guarantee I've never That's when I got into it. I know I've heard of it. <laughs> so, um, I'll just, uh, the other, the other, uh, thing, it was published by Contrail. It's a subsidiary of Sony and they publish eight games. Now, Wild Arms 2 was one of them. Alundra 2 was another one of them. Uh, Played both of those. There's a bunch of other ones with Japanese names that I will not uh, pronounce because <laughs> you know you guys are not going to do that shit to me again. <laughs> you say that, but we have other episodes coming up, Seth. Oh, so one of them is going to be an anime episode. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking who weeb. So um, it had blocky graphics. Red like, King in the Isekai Hell. <laughs> I'm like clenching my drink. If it was a can instead of a bottle, it would be crushed. Um, you have a can in front of you, though. That's That can's not open yet. <laughs> so crush it. If I crushed it, I'm soaking everything in soda. Um, so Final Fantasy VII came out two years before it. Yes, and 97. as far as I know, besides Grave Fencer Musashi, which had the same art style as mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII, I can't think of another game that had that same blocky polygonal bullshit yeah no i think that that's uh okay i'm sorry palmer's stomach ripping open in the final fantasy 7 boardroom is still one of the most hilarious graphical breaks in a game and it is in all the hd remakes of the original final fantasy (laughs) 7 palmer's torso splits open like a pig (laughs) <laughs> Which he is. Yeah. So, you know, it's apropos. <laughs> so I'll, I'll go through um I'll go through uh one more of the factoids before I get into the uh the amazing thing that made me love this game. Uh well the amazing things because everybody had uh different things that registered with them on an emotional level. I've got dumb factoids and here's a great one. <laughs> uh so the voice actor for the main character, because this game had voice acting in the in the battle scenes, the voice actor, once again, Japanese name, Wataru Takagi, right? He did the voice of, he did the Japanese voice of Ganju Shiba mm-hmm. in Bleach, ah. Obito Uchiha in Naruto. Uh, I mean, this guy does work, but I'm just listing things that I think anybody could know. Google. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, Hugo from Street Fighter. He's been the voice of Hugo since what? Uh, Street Fighter 3. Uh, well, since the game. His inception. He, yeah. uh, Knuckle from mm-hmm. Hunter Hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic series. Uh, he is the official voice actor 
in Japan for Daffy Duck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> really? <laughs> I can't imagine because all I can remember is, is him yelling like blurbs getting ready to kill some monsters and turns out that's Daffy Duck. <laughs> yeah. So I have to show I need to Duck show season. <laughs> da- Daku season. Uh, oh dude he season. Could, he could pull it off. Oh so <laughs> we need to see I'm gonna show you some videos later. Yes. It'll fucking blow your mind. So this game now to get the emotional shit, right? Uh, <laughs> so I have never until Legend of Lagaya, I've never really had an idea of the depth of like RPG games. Uh, this one was it was kind of nice because it didn't have quite as much um, of the deepness as far as like a battle system. Like there was no you didn't have to worry too much about, you know, spells and shit like that. It was it was a battle system that was somewhat inspired by fighting games. Right. So you'd enter like different inputs that would, you know, left and right with your arms um, high and low or a high kick and a low kick and mm-hmm. all the characters were martial arts and they just yeah. punch and kick. Um, high, low, high, boy. Yep. <laughs> it was if Sabin from Final Fantasy so 6 was the focus of the game. Because So in Final Fantasy 6 most of his special moves, actually technically all of them, have different button inputs that you have to do. Yeah. So it's very similar to that idea. Interesting. <laughs> Stealing. That was completely original. No, no, um, never mind. Well, okay, but even the idea of like multiple button inputs, Legend of Dragoon had also come out at this point and had the addition system. Right. That was time so, based. This yes. was all. Yeah, this was you. You'd actually, it, you know, it'd be high, low, high, and then you'd enter that input, click begin, mm-hmm. and then your character would run forward. And if it was a specific <laughs> input, if it so high, low, high in that game was for Vaughn, the main character, it was a somersault. And he would do, like, guile, like Street Fighter. Wow! He'd hit him with somersault. If you just threw in random inputs, he would just do a random combination of punches and kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game had... So that was one of the first games where I started to get that c- completionist mindset, where now... In that game, you could um, capture the so these monsters. They were called Siru, mm-hmm. and you you know if you beat them but didn't like overkill them, <coughs> there was a chance that you could absorb them and they could be summons. And they were one turn, and they'd use a special move. And there were tons of them, and they all had different elements. And that was that completionist mindset. I gotta get all the Siru summons. And there were secret ones. Right. There were mini games. Mm-hmm. There were, um, there were, like, it had a fishing mini game. And, <laughs> like, so, like, that's kind of like a bop <laughs> for, um, for video games. And they always, in, in the classic generation of games, they always had fucking fishing. And they were always mechanically really fucking good. Weirdly. Like, enough, Zelda yeah. had a great fishing game. Yeah. We were just talking about fucking Big Cat, and it was just Sega Bash fishing. Um, this game had a sick fucking fishing game. Dark Cloud yeah. 2. Yeah. I spent stupid amounts of yeah. money. You, you just could. get so deep. Right. So here's the thing, though, right? In Dark Cloud 2, 
you could catch fish and there was a weight competition. So if you didn't put them in your aquarium where you could raise them for racing, which is its own separate mini game. Oh my gosh. Crazy. You could just catch fish, Crazy. weigh them, and you got prizes depending on how big they were. Or if you went, you know, and you found a good fish, you could breed them too. So you could pass stats down. And I always had like this really tiny super fish, and it would be in the ring with all these like giant fish. It would just outspeed them completely. It was fantastic. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I, I love that they put whole other games in their games. <laughs> so the so the premise of um, Lagaya was a it was like you know medieval um, kind of like medieval European type mm-hmm. of uh, setting. Uh, the world had been overtaken by this mist, and it turned the Siru, which were these stone-like creatures that mm-hmm. mankind would use to their advantage and it turned them into monsters. And what you would do as a main character, he got a special kind of Siru that was resistant to the mist. He was a hero. And um, he would go and find these Genesis trees and he would pray to them. And that would drive the mist away. Now, I feel like this is very similar to Illusion of Gaia. Oh, a word? Like, because the idea is, is that you're trying to prevent <coughs> the impending darkness. Oh, hold Holy up. shit. <laughs> hold up. Like, you go to, like, the Great Wall of China and shit and Illusion of Gaia, and you have so, to fight bosses there. Now, another interesting thing is this was um, kind of Christianity-themed. Yeah. Because, like, at the beginning of the game, it during, like, the opening, the op- the opening crawl... It says, oh, God created man, and then God created the Siru, and, and you know, the Siru helped them, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden the mist. And it, maybe this is – I might have to look this up. I wonder if it's like a spiritual successor or a type of uh, – oh. The Illusion of Gaia, I'm not so sure about that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Because Illusion of Gaia was kind of a Zelda ripoff. But that game, this game was A great. good one, but still kind of a ripoff. It, it got me into the – to that RPG mindset. Mm-hmm. It had an anime art style that got me into drawing, and it, um, for me, like, that's where I finally figured out, like, what it was that I was getting myself into with RPGs, and I I think that it caught my attention for the rest of my gaming life, and I think that, for me, was a, uh, was kind of a... That was a, a, a form- complete package? That complete package, that yeah. formative thing. So, the next thing we'll talk about, um, we've gone over a lot of the stuff from, like, the past, and, like, how it kind of registers with you, and uh, I think, <laughs> I think the industry kind of understands that, and... Do they, though? They... Some do, some don't. I think that they, they want to, they want to cash in on. I think there are some there's some phenomenal examples for either side of the argument, and this is something that like I could say I'm really, I feel very passionate about because here's the thing, nostalgia is an easy thing to cash in on, because anybody who has grown up with something you could then just make you know, low effort just oh let me bring it back real quick okay uh. okay okay 
Do you want to know why I can use Jurassic Park as an example? Okay. <laughs> okay, this is going to be an interesting So, the newer Jurassic Park movies aren't necessarily bad movies if they were a different IP. Yes. They came out under the Jurassic Park license. They are all objectively worse than the first movie. <laughs> objectively. Yeah. yeah. Whether it be story, pseudo-horror experience, where they didn't really go from that tension of the first movie where the raptors get out or T-Rex is hunting you. Even the second movie, Lost World, has where the velociraptors are in the field and the Merc team is trying to run through it, and you're seeing dudes get picked off. Yeah. Fantastic scene, even in the second movie. And I, th- I think, I-, I do agree with that. I would say that when it comes to... So if you're going to do a cash-in on nostalgia, do it good. Do it yeah. well. Yeah, and I, I think of a fine example, because I've, I've seen this, and this is like, again, I, I was today's, today years old when I found this, that they are remaking Silent Hill 2. Now here's the thing. I'm going to take Silent Hill 2 as one of my examples of it's been around long enough, right? And it's been a good enough amount of time and enough console generations later to warrant a remake of that game. So there's two different types of, I guess. Because you've had what? That was PS1? PS2, actually. Silent Hill was, okay, Silent Hill 1 was in PS1. Yes, yes. Which, like, that's why Silent Hill 2 actually had a lot of, like, development aspects that they still used mm-hmm. back in like the PlayStation 1 era like heavy fog though great for aesthetic was mostly because their draw distance was shit right. <laughs> um, well, they, that made it yeah yeah that made it and that well, was that's kind what of what makes Silent Hill 1 classic yeah and I think that was kind of like a fine example of using the technology limitations to also create a great ambiance yeah so um, this is kind of just little tangent here I saw a that argued that horror video games are the current prime medium to experience horror games in mm. because they're taking risks still. Yeah. Horror movies, not so much. Horror TV shows, they're kind of becoming cliched, stale, stagnant. No, but we, we talked about horror movies. What about the genital mutilation? <laughs> what, taking about, risks. what about the genital <laughs> But oh the problem with God. that is, is that <laughs> that's not too. really yeah. like... There's no interesting plot to it. It's, oh, they're a virgin. Let's violate their vagina. That's disgusting. Right. Yeah, but that's not... Yeah. It's the, not the gaming, gonna, it really does. Right. It really does. Because uh, that's the thing, right? You have you have things like Inside, Little Nightmares, games like ooh, I, that. I do love Little Nightmares. Limbo. Limbo was also really good. Games that play with sound. And the thing is, is that a lot of people play video games with headphones. And if you're using binaural audio and you can play with it where it looks like you have a whisper in someone's like right ear, Phasmophobia is a game that actually does this very well. Huh. And I play that with some of my work friends, and it's hilarious to hear one of them scream because <laughs> dude screams like a little girl. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, so the thing about, right, essentially two different types of remakes kind of come to mind, and that's if 
it's been a long enough time and there's been a, enough of a change in the gaming atmosphere and technology to warrant remaking it or the original vision couldn't really happen with the restraints may have been time budget whatever it might right. have been that warrants a remake right now see that's interesting because i was going to say there's the third category which is the cash grab well I'm are you the, saying what warrants? What warrants it? Okay, now okay. here's the thing. This is the this is the counterside to, you know, uh, what I think is going to be a good remake because I I believe just from looking at it, it looks like there was a lot of care taken. You know, in the trailer they showed off a lot of point for point scenes that were remade in new amazing looking graphics, like to the point where like the dude was like making contact with the hand on his skin and you could see the like skin the, like. Yeah, yeah, which, like, can you imagine that in a horror game? Come on, now. <laughs> yeah, that amount of detail Yeah, you're doing something oh, terrible like to somebody. Yeah, that's what oh, I'm saying. I'm, like, that. just looking at that. I was you like, might be out of the horror game genre. <laughs> now, now yeah, here's I'm, the thing. Motherfuck starts bleeding, I'm done. The opposite end of this starts bleeding realistic. So we know the last of us. blood physics. The Last of Us was a video game that... Now, here's the thing. Fantastic video game, right? Yeah, when it came out on the PlayStation 3. Yeah, when it came out on the PlayStation 3, which was not that long ago. So, the thing I will say, though, is is that the PS4 remake was the one where the technology at the time on the PS3 wasn't quite fully there. Agreed. So, the PS4 remake was a good remake. Yes. Now the here's PS five is a fucking cash grab. Yes. Now and that's what I'm saying, right? So when you look at the remake or rather the remaster going from the PlayStation three to the PlayStation four, that's a fine example of at the time the technology couldn't allow you to kind of realize your original image and your original vision for right, that right, game. Right. Then you look at it and you say, this was remastered, right? And full HD, 60 frames per second. You know, you can see the pores of their fucking skin. And then the PlayStation 5 comes out and then they're like, let's do it again. And then when they show up to the point where you can sit there and say, we've made it, remade it from the ground up and dot, 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 dot. But when you show a screenshot side by side, I'm like, ah, eh. right. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm kind of hard pressed to see which one's the remake. Not only that. <laughs> But they also charged full current seventy dollar gen price for it. Yeah, right. it yeah. wasn't forty bucks. It wasn't thirty bucks. Because that's the thing. Even the 70. remaster, which which definitive version of it, in my opinion, the remaster was still the PS4 version was like forty bucks. Yeah, yeah, it, it was not out. a full price game. They there's that meme that um, PlayStation Two had three GTAs. Yeah, and then GTA Five has. Free PlayStations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's and the same kind of idea. Skyrim's much the same way. Yeah. Now here's the thing that kind Your of gets me. Smart fridge can now play Skyrim. You know, they sit here and they say, "Oh man, look at look at the graphics, look at the graphics." But then you also do little things like I don't know if you noticed, Joel looks a little different <laughs> in the in the newest remake of The Last of Us than he does in the original. Now I'm not saying that. The graphics look better, so he looks different. It almost looks like they changed the character model's face. <laughs> so it's like when you're doing a side by side comparison, well, they have they have that um, series coming out. Yeah, the HBO, yeah. are they trying to make him? That's kind of what I'm thinking. So now, same thing of what happened with um, Spider-Man. Yeah, when they, when when they released 
the PlayStation 4 version of Spider-Man for the PlayStation 5, and they tried to make him look more like Tom Holland. And it... Like, they tried to make it so that they could sell the the game with the... Kind of like with the movies, and they're trying to... Like, kind of like the same thing that they're doing with uh, Last of Us. It They've saturated the market so much with the same thing over and over and over again. And, like, there's, there's people who are going to watch the TV series, like... The stream heads, the, they're just into the TV of it. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, well, look, it's actually based off of a, of a video game. And, and they'll make it look similar. They'll make that contingency actually happen. Because it's like cross-marketing at this point. And well, it's like – and then on top of that, like, we're sitting here and we're supposed to be making these compari- comparisons game to game and be like, oh, they look so much better. Did so much better. It's like you can't make the main character look like a completely different person, and then be like side by side comparison. It's like, oh. Well, so another thing, right? Isn't the Spider-Man and the PS4 Spider-Man game like an adult? He's like a fucking tax-paying legal <laughs> mid-twenties adult. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tom Holland is not that. Tom Holland Spider-Man is a high school student. Yeah, <laughs> they're different Spider-Man, even though it's they're both Peter Parker. Yeah, and now it just looks weird because he's got this weird baby face. Right? And it's did like, they did they even have so did they have Tom Holland come in and did they put the mocap stickers on him? Did they do all that stuff? N- no, they. It so, was like a weird like sort of look. Like yeah. Do you guys remember uh, La Noir? Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. good. Good game, but they didn't have the muscle structure for the technology that they were using, so the faces are moving on like a. It's just bone underneath. Yeah. <laughs> muscles contracting and pulling or anything very awkward yeah it was i mean it was revolutionary for the time but it was really (laughs) that game bankrupted that studio what rockstar north made one game i think and it was la noir oof Oof. so much money into that technology that they did not break even that is ridiculous like look at how this guy uh, when he when he ponders you can see his ponder on his face <laughs> like and, and they he just <laughs> went broke. They all look like um <laughs> like creepy fake facsimile to right like Un- that game is the uncanny valley game. It yes. is. It is. It's that like if you want a dictionary definition of uncanny valley, it's like there you go. <laughs> but like some of the examples of like of a really good remake, right? So. Um, there's kind of like two schools of it, right? There's the take an old game that and like kind of point for point remake it and then make the graphics, make the engine work better and make so um so the the idea is like uh, Spyro, the reignited trilogy. Mm-hmm. That was it's a situation where I've played those games before, an amazing game. Um, Spyro 1, 2, and 3, complete, in my opinion, kind of like that adventure um, platforming. It's like a masterpiece. Yeah. And it benefits from the new technology. It benefits from the good graphics. And, you know, the animations, they make it more like, almost like a Pixar movie or like like that kind of DreamWorks, that 
that fluidity, and it really benefits amazingly from it. it the same thing with um, like the Tony Hawk one and two, those the remasters. Yeah, yeah, oh my skaters. gosh, fantastic! Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I still need to get them eventually. I'm, I didn't realize I was so bad at those games until I got the remake. No, oh, dude, I'm absolutely getting them and then immediately putting like moon gravity and shit on them. That's <laughs> the most fun you could have in those games. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, agreed there. <laughs> so then there's the other um, school of remakes, right? That you take something and you just kind of you use it as a framework, <laughs> and then you just go ape shit and kind of just do it so far away from what it was and like final fantasy my, 7. yeah that was my oh, yeah. So yeah. The final fantasy 7 remake though from everything i've read seen and heard is really really good though yeah and it's oh, oh it, it's it's a good game and i i kind of think though that's why it, it works is because if you're gonna do something right because it would be really hard even just upgrading the graphics it'd be really hard to recapture what was final fantasy 7 it's well, like a, a okay. very tall order. So one of the problems, though, is is that with the Final Fantasy VII remake, the entire first part of the game is just the first like five six hours of the original game. Yeah. It's Midgar. They yeah. made Midgar a forty hour game, which is <laughs> rather impressive. Uh, like, <laughs> right? But here's the thing: I think they're only planning on doing three parts. So yeah, that's a, they're gonna have to fit well, a lot. I mean, into. I don't have anything to confirm that. That's just a lot of what I've heard is is that they only want to do three parts, and yeah. part two is supposed to come out next year. But remember where disc one ends. We're not gonna spoil it, but remember where disc one ends. It's yeah. so fucking weird yeah. to think about spoiling a game that's like it's twenty five years old, and it's and it's crazy because it's relevant again now because you are playing it in some right. form, and it is that story in some but, form. That's the thing, though. So they took the first five hours of the game, made it 40. There's still another 25, 30 hours on just disc one if you're going to do most of the side quests and stuff. Yeah, there's a lot <coughs> for them to cover right now. And if they are only doing two other parts besides what they already have out there, that's... Right, because disc one ends with that scene. Disc two is mostly dealing with fighting Shinra. Mm-hmm. Disc three is just an end area of the game. Yeah, that's it. That's all disc three is. It's like this hey, one. so part three is gonna be um seventy dollars and like four hours worth of gameplay. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> love it. <laughs> Fucking love it. Let's go. <laughs> like this is the only sequence we could put in there was a fight with Sephiroth. So that means <laughs> that if they're gonna do that though, part two is going to have from calm up until you do the mission where you return to Midgar from the plane. Mm. And that's huh. not really spoilers. Yeah. That's a lot of game, though. Yeah. That's the fights with all the ultimate weapons and stuff. They're going to have ruby and emerald. There's get the submarines. All this stuff. You can't put that in one game. Yeah, mm. that, that's a lot. Not of the it. way they spread out that remake. They really should have just, like, said, fuck it, and just made this game huge. They should have just said, well, I don't give a shit. Develop it for, like, ten years. Because you know it's been okay, in development for they've a They've been time. talking about the Final Fantasy remake since, like, 2007. Yeah. I think they first showed footage at E3 around that year. Right, but it, it, so it more or less, you know, I'm probably going to catch so much shit for saying it, but, uh, I mean... 
provided we have any fucking listeners. But <laughs> uh, it plays more or less like Kingdom Hearts, right? Okay, but it looks like it's a sleeker Kingdom Hearts. Because, right, here's the thing. I bought Kingdom Hearts 3 when it came out. Now, mind you, the last Kingdom Hearts game I had played was, was trash. Oh, yeah. 2. Oh, my God. Um, no, the reason it was bad is because it felt like it was still a PS2 game. Yeah. Now, and- think about that for a second. That's not to say PS2 games were bad, but control schemes have come a long way in 17 years. And this is true. And also that that um, menu in the left corner of the screen, action gameplay has changed. Like Final Fantasy XV is um, a much nicer Kingdom Hearts experience. Can I also point out, though, like there's, there's also another inherent issue with new Kingdom Hearts, and that's like they don't know when to stop, right? Right. So, so, uh, so here's the thing. That's what I was going to say. There's 14 games in between Kingdom Hearts 2 and 3. 14! Yeah. What? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there really is remakes, like, uh, interquels, you know, mobile no, versions. No, no remakes. There were no remakes technically in between. That's... Final Mix and stuff didn't really... Isn't a remake. It's technically a complete package. Because they added stuff in the American version that wasn't in the original Japanese version, so they released Final Mix in Japan, but then it took them forever to release it over here because they added new stuff when they released it in Japan. What? So the final <laughs> right. So the final mixes we were getting, but even those two technically adding stuff. So you had Kingdom Hearts, Chain of Memories, Kingdom Hearts 2. Then you've got stuff like 358 and a half days, Dream Drop Distance. Kingdom yeah, Hearts has birth by sleep. so much a, stuff. Yeah, birth by yeah, sleep. So how's how's this for another uh, remake? Uh, Crisis Core is getting a remake. Yeah, surprising. Really? Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, cool. I hope they keep. Uh, okay. So Nemesis, but, right? They had they showed Nemesis in uh, Crisis Core. Mm-hmm. He was played by like he was like a J-pop visual Kai. J-rock. Yeah, that was, that was uh, like, Gact. Yeah. Does anybody remember yeah. Gact? He did the. He actually also did the song for this. Yeah, it was yeah. Redemption, right? Yep. Oh, that's which was that good. That was my weeb. Yeah. So yeah. they're gonna bring back Crisis Core, but they're not gonna bring back Parasite Eve or what was the dinosaur one? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dino Crisis. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dino Crisis, dog. Yeah. Which is really sad because that's like that's a classic. Those classic. are both Thanks Square Enix. And they could. Here's the thing, though. They did. I remember they had uh, Parasite Eve third birthday on the PSP. I think it was third birthday. Like th- that was the last Parasite Eve game that they made. And here's the thing: they they Square Enix is in a weird spot. <laughs> Their games are terrible. <laughs> like the visuals are all cool and everything, you know. But like Crisis Core had a weird battle system. It was decent, but it had a very weird battle system. You look at something like Third Birthday, it had a very, very weird battle system. <laughs> like, it wasn't just like, because you remember the original Parasite Eve games? They were kind of just Resident Evil. Yeah. Then it's like. With parasites uh, instead yeah. of zombies. Then they turned so it. So we, we just went and uh, we went from nostalgia to straight up dunking on. Yeah, we're th- yeah because here's the thing. They're weird. Because yeah. like, they're in a weird space of nostalgia where they don't necessarily remake everything. They just bring things back in a weird at a weird point in time in a well, weird version of okay, itself. So <laughs> not like this. You remember not that like giant NVIDIA like 
game leak that happened a few years ago. Oh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I like it talked about it. the Final Fantasy VII remake. It mentioned a Chrono Cross remaster. It talked about a Final Fantasy IX remake. Oh, all yeah, these, yeah. All the almost coming, all of these, are every sing, just about every single one of them has come true, except for except for yours. Final Fantasy IX hasn't. I come well, they haven't announced it yet because Square Enix has a lot of shit going on right now. You've got Final Fantasy sixteen is coming out next year. Oh, not looking forward to that. Dragon Quest Twelve is coming out in the next couple years. Right. So if I'm Square Enix, I'm not going to announce a Final Fantasy remake because that's the thing. 2024 is supposed to also have Final Fantasy VII Part Two. <laughs> their so, schedule's deep so, right now. So we also remember that they just dumped all their Western developers. That's why we've talked about it. Oh, that's right. Crystal Dynamics sent out a survey like, "Hey, are people still interested in Legacy of Kane?" Right. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Please, yes, please. That would that, be so sick. here's another thing, right? Uh, the guy who was the creative director behind Legend of Dragoon, I can't remember his name offhand, he's working on what is effectively a prequel that he is funding through Kickstarter. And while he can't uh, use characters like Dart and Rose because they're, those are technically Sony's IPs, so here's he, Dragoon is not so okay. he can make a Dragoon game about the past. So hold on to hope because right hope is amazing. Uh, I'm gonna give you the dark side of that, right? And it's all it's all like right in that. Um, I think Crimson knows exactly where I'm going with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all in that nostalgic uh, type of uh, mindset, right? Uh, KG Inafune. Yeah. <laughs> he oh. so he came off of he came out from uh I think Capcom fired him. I'm not gonna say I hate him. I'm not gonna say I hate him. <laughs> no, I, I, I absolutely <laughs> fucking hate him. Ooh, right? man. And, uh, he said I'm taking you know, I'm taking um I'm taking Mega Man with me. Mm. And they said, No. <laughs> no, you're fucking not. <laughs> so he goes ahead and he he was one of he was Actually, didn't he make Balan Wonderland, or is that another dude I'm thinking of? Mm, actually, wait a minute. Oh no, I think you might be right. Oh shit! Hold on, I will have to Google that. Right, but um, so uh, he went and made like a bastard version of <laughs> Mega Man Legends Three. Yeah, and remember he couldn't. So it was all original characters and couldn't use any, couldn't use Mega Man, couldn't use anything like that. Giga Man! And yeah. sat there and uh, kind of milked the Kickstarter and got, you know, promotional art and, you know, lots of character concepts different and things dude, like that. Dude. And it seemed amazing, even though it wasn't going to be a fully realized Mega Man Legends 2 oh, sequel. Oh, he took the money and bounced. Yeah, right? yeah he bounced. Yeah, and then, and he, and even worse, he went. Now, I might. I might have the timelines mixed up, but he also went with uh, a somewhat spiritual successor to Ooh, Mega Man X yeah. from Mighty Number no. Nine. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's that was he essentially like it was messed up because he essentially like bait and switched people to get the money to fund his weird like love child of what was Mega Man and what. Like he can like legally do. <laughs> so, well, one of the things though is is that uh, Mega Man has a bigger following than Legend of Dragoon. Yep. 
couldn't and they couldn't do it. But well, that's one of the things the guy like. It's an interview that I read of his a couple times now. Right. It's one of the things he talks about is is that basically Sony screwed them over. Like Sony has shifted much more heavily to their uh, Western developers, right? Yep. Naughty Dog, Insomniac, all that stuff. Well, they pull it in, so. Yeah, but yeah. you got to remember, Legend of Dragoon sold 1.2 million copies in its first run. Back in the day, that was a fantastic number. That's yeah, that's yeah, actually that's a really huge. good number. <coughs> yeah, it's huge. So the game was fifty dollars. Fifty times one point two million. Don't don't make me math. Wait, wasn't I also wasn't Legend of Dragoon? It was advertised on like in like Sony magazines yeah, and a bunch like of stuff. The, all yeah. of its official like they leaned really heavily because you I remember, remember how back in the old days when you got the CD and the jewel case and you would not only get like the instruction manual but then you, you got get the advertisement manual yeah and I remember I think I want to say it was Final Fantasy VIII I'm not sure why I think I'd, Final I'd Fantasy VIII had advertisements for Legend of Dragoon and it's it was seven or eight. It was definitely a Final Fantasy game, though, which was crazy, because I feel like that had a lot to do with why it did so well. So, okay, so that just reminded me of something, right? Um, so when Street Fighter Two was really big and they were selling arcade cabinets everywhere, right? Uh, Mortal Kombat was the, the new kid on the block for yeah. that. Uh, so Midway... They had two options for Mortal Kombat if you wanted to have an arcade cabinet. If you wanted to, um, you you could buy it outright, get a machine delivered to you with Mortal Kombat installed. Uh, they also offered a, they called it an upgrade package, mm-hmm. which allowed you to specifically change a Street <laughs> Fighter II cabinet... <laughs> Into a Mortal Kombat cabinet, and they re- they had um, decals that you could replace the side, all the <laughs> I side remember art. Reading about this, that's amazing. That's amazing. And so, <laughs> so fast forward, and um, <laughs> now I love Final Fantasy. I love Final Fantasy Seven. I like Final Fantasy Eight. Unpopular opinion. Fight me on it. I don't I, give a fuck. I can go without um, eight. But <laughs> I could only imagine the type of. Uh, could you imagine back if they were trying to sell Legend of Dragoon against Final Fantasy back then? <laughs> no, but dude, uh, he's right. I remember getting several PlayStation 1 games. I think like Final Fantasy Tactics had it in it. Mm. There and were games that just had like in the back of their instruction manual yep. was an advertisement for Legend of Dragoon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember they did that with, uh, I want to say it was Breath of Fire 4. They did that shit yeah. too, and it was weird because it was in the back of Miss Pac-Man Maze Madness, <laughs> which was a really weird one for me. It's like, hey, are you having fun running mazes and doing Pac-Man and all that? You, uh, you know, like real basic shit. Here's Breath of Fire. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. <laughs> like completely unrelated recommendations. I fucking love it. Yeah. Well, right, but just to get us back on track, it's like, on the whole, I do think remakes and remasters are good for the industry, because it brings games that we played, you know, 20, 25 years ago, back into the modern space. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Chrono Cross just recently got its remake, yep. remaster. But it's 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. Is it a buggy, random slowdown mess? Yes. <laughs> Does it have a double fast forward function? Yes. <laughs> so, you know what? For 20 bucks, I can't really complain. Yeah, it, it yeah. does look kind of nice. You can still technically play it with the PS1 graphics if you want to, and it still runs just fine. Nice, but they didn't—they weren't asking for a lot from that, right? They said, "Here's twenty bucks. Here's a game. Go away." Right. And that's cool. it. I'm fine with that interchange. Another one that came out though was uh, THQ. I think is the one who did it. The Kingdoms of Amalur remake. <laughs> Actually, Kingdoms of Amalur, the first one, was a really, really good game. Was it the best RPG I've ever played? No. Was it a very fun RPG to play? Yes. Yeah. And not only did they come out, they added an expansion that basically picks up right where the main story leaves off. Yeah, they released that expansion in, like, March of this year. So so a game that came out 10 years ago got a remaster this year and an expansion pack for it. But how unfortunate is the name? What? Kingdoms of Amalur? Re-Reckoning. Oh! No, no, you just, you read it, it's like, Reckoning! Yeah, they dad-joked it. But Sworn is the name of the expansion. That's... I'm trying to think THQ. Oh, no. THQ. Well, it's THQ Nordic. Now. I mean, but... Didn't they do the Saints Row? Yep. <laughs> and every fucking, every single PlayStation has, like, Saints Row, to, like, 3 and 4 and Get Out of Hell. And they just do that all the time. Every well, so that's been the big thing, right, is is that it keeps circulating that a Legend of the Dragoon remaster is in the works. And... The studio that did the Shadows of Colossus remaster is the one that is teasing that. They're like, we have a big project that we can't talk about. I've got a big amount of money, so (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I got got dollars. (laughs) But I guess, right? Nostalgia is great, it kind of keeps us into it. There, so there's a there's an amount of it that I mean it's always nice to see new things it's always, it's always nice to see um, something fresh but like we got into gaming in a specific way and for right. a lot of for a lot of us like those memories are, are like it's like a blast shadow that is stuck on the interior of our skulls. <laughs> well, it, so I always try and go back and replay the old games that I really like once every couple of years just to see if they still hold up. And I still enjoy them just the same. Mm-hmm. But you want to talk about a remake that's stuck in development hell, Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, no. Yeah. Which we shouldn't get into too much because we've already been on this episode a while. Yes. I, I We could have a Knights of the Old Republic episode. Yeah. Knights of the Old Republic was a pretty ga- big game for me. Because they... And, and unfortunately, they, they took mm-hmm. poor Knights of the Old Republic out of uh, the Star Wars official canon. Yeah. But it's, I mean, probably it was one of the no, best. No, no, What? So, Revan is mentioned in Episode Nine. One of the uh, troop names is under Revan. 
the Revan troops. <gasps> like they're named for different Sith lords. Yo, the yes. Okay. Yes, we can have it back. They're Thank bringing you. relevancy back in their new content. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's a separate episode. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, um, it is last call. Uh, thank you for having a few with us. We are Critical Hit. Um, this is Duncan Pumpkin. Duncan yes. Pumpkin. <laughs> Dumb name. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beer. Uh, just a quick note before the end of the episode, just for the listeners, all two of you. Um, <laughs> things like the release schedule has been a little weird. Um, uh, just trying to get the episodes together and get them out and get them on the platform and uh, to you has been somewhat weird, somewhat difficult. Um, we are shooting for Thursday. Every Thursday will be a new episode of Critical Hit. And um, uh, yes, so now you'll have a set schedule for your new favorite podcast. Ha ha ha. Uh, so until the next episode, um, drink hard, play responsibly. We will see you next time. Peace.